Minute past four. Now let's t- talk trending topics. Trending news right now. Social commentator Adekunle Owolabi joins us now to discuss what's happened in the last 24 hours. What are the social streets saying? Ade, how are you this Wednesday? Hi, my name is Sandra. Always good to be back. Um, this morning show and actually um, it's, it's been interesting times in, in Zanzi, as people were saying on, on social media at the moment. And I've been hearing um, the feedback from the listeners as well. And they're all echoing similar words about finding a woman for this um, position of chief justice in the country. And it's, it's quite an interesting time, I must say. Um, does it really matter if it's a woman? Does it really matter if the, the color of the person? Does it really matter? I think it, it's just it, it's just something that we need to begin to look at. This is a key position that determines a lot of things in the country. And we need to look beyond gender. We need to look beyond um, color. And, and I, I strongly believe that it's something, it's a question that needs to be looking at it from from a fairness point of view and, and, and I think equality as well. These are the things we need to be looking at it in that angle. And it's quite it's quite an interesting um, session we, we saw um, for, from the Langa yesterday and so much a reaction from people and, and, and Malima um, talked uh, was the highlights of the of this sessions was one of the highlights of the of the, of the interview. Quite interesting interview. I'm happy that he kept on reiterating the, the yes, of course, it can be unfair to for somebody who's in a position against others to now be, you know, pitted against them in a way. I mean, he is already, but to verbally expect him to pit himself against another, uh, you know, candidate for the position that he also is looking to fill might be unfair. But I do appreciate Julius Malema reiterating that he needed to answer the question because for me, I think it is about the, you know, position uh, being taken by a woman, if we're asking that question, in terms of the uh, Speaker of the National Assembly, I think representation matters. So, yes, it is quite a, a relevant question. Um, I think it might be problematic in terms of how we place it when it comes to the views of people. But this was obviously an, an, an interview. So in, in the case of the judge, it needed to be asked. But I also think, uh, Ade, that we as women have been you know, empowered. And we've taken that position that there has been so many sacrifices made in terms of where we are now. And we wanting to take those positions are still a bit of a challenge in that society is not allowing us to. So at this moment, it's not even a case of empowerment for me. At this moment, it's a case of we are competent. We are ready to take positions, but we get blocked by certain, I guess, toxic masculine uh, agendas that are in the way. And it should be a, a, a question of now we need representation. And it, it's, it's important that there is a woman who's filling these positions. Uh, absolutely, uh, Asanda. Uh, I, I mean, and I also would also uh, allow us to look at it from this angle as well. Um, I mean, women from South Africa have actually been able to prove um, their strength, their intellect, their, um, their power in, in South Africa as well, not just politically in the business field and also in the legal system as well. I think we should also try to stay away from 
hand and position down to women because we think it's their time to rule. Okay, after a while, men will say, oh, it is our time to rule. I think the idea of rotating positions based on gender um, should something that should be discouraged, though. I mean, if we have a, a woman that is competent and, and can do the work, we give it to her. If it's a man, of course, we need to just encourage women to actually um, explore position, explore certain industries and that we feel like it's, of course, men or male-dominated. Women should actually be encouraged to, to get into that space and be able to compete with men because in a space where we have more men, of course, women are not taking advantage of that. And there is a new South Africa that we don't often hear about. And this is a South Africa where women are actually taking up these chances, these opportunities, and it, it, I think sometimes the narrative has not been put in, in a way to understand. A lot of powerful um, South African women that are out there and, and their stories, of course, need to be told. And the more we talk, talk about them, the more inspiration and encouragement the younger generation will to admire and step into the into the position. So I, I think I think um, I would still be on that side of. If um, we should have handed over like hand, hand me down kind of scenario to women, or like okay, and you feel like you're undeserved, but okay, you can go for it. Uh, but, but of course, um, it's not my, my my job to decide that. But um, I know that um, the, the 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 members of parliament that are actually doing this, they should put that at the back of their mind. They need to be find someone that is credible someone that is going to be fair, someone that is going to take the country forward um, as far as judiciary is concerned. Okay, so four candidates are looking or vying for the position on Wednesday today. Uh, CSA Judge President Maya will take the seat. And then, uh, as we say, the female candidate, uh, President, uh, I mean, Judge, uh, sorry, the uh, Supreme Court of Appeal, President Mandy Samaya, will be on Thursday and then Zondo on Friday. Let's talk more about uh, Tuesday's appearance by uh, Justice Mbuiseni Madlanga, and in terms of what he was saying, mainly in in his, you know, uh, I guess, interview. And he talks about the perception that wealthy South Africans are not comfortable with having their cases heard or adjudicated by black judges. Your thoughts on that? It was quite. It was quite an interesting um, how the questions have been shown at him, and the and the way he's um, responding. And I think um, hearing that from someone of, of that uh, caliber, um, saying that um, certain particular people in the country uh, are not comfortable having this kind of hearing, and I, I think it. It's, it's, it's a reality of um, the situation that we have in South Africa, knowing that we still have a lot of work to do and knowing how how the, the position has not really been able to have some sort of balanced society in the country. It, it, it's not that shocking. And also, it's also shocking as well that um, this is the state of, the, of, of the South Africa right now. And hopefully... We will begin to have a, a stronger um, judiciary system that can actually be able to um, provide um, fair judgment, irrespective of your sexuality or your gender 
or, or, or race. I, I think it is that kind of moment where we have this um, um, moment of truth. At least we want to talk about uh, real issues that affect um, um, people in the country. And I, I think it's something that we should actually um, put no, put up notes. And um, it, it's just, we can only hope and begin to support um, fairness in, in, in the judiciary system. So what is his campaign then? He's saying that if he is appointed, he would hit the ground running and get to the bottom of these perceptions. How would he do that? Does he have the power for, for a change around in this? I mean, it's quite a deep-rooted societal issue, the way I see it. Um, looking, at, looking at him, of course, um, everyone would, would want to say uh, it is campaign season, as I would put it in that in that session, yes, being on an upbeat, you have to impress, because right now it's not just impressing the, the MPs, but also impressing the country as well. And I wouldn't want to be, I, do, I wouldn't want to have a, a Malema um, session now in my comment, but I think knowing that um, his track record, his report card, we need to begin to look at how, what has he been able to do what are the, the, the things in the year that actually championed for knowing that he was appointed into the Nitata High Court in 1996 and at the age of 34. He was the youngest judge as, as and then, and, and of course he, he has that experience. And we begin to now look at, what, you know, as we've as been able to uh, bring such, um, such issues up front, as we've been able to to get the members, uh, his, his colleagues in the, in the law, in the legal fraternity, and to be able to have this composition around it, how to actually have a balanced society and actually also enforcing uh, the, the, the laws, the constitution in the country. So those are kind of questions I think uh, we should be asking ourselves as a country, analyzing its work, its track record, and not just someone saying things that we want to hear, and now we think we can just assume Another element to his campaign is uh, addressing the issue of the long time it takes for cases to come to the stage of hearing, and he wants to look at addressing the problems within the system to this uh, particular issue. Is he also just saying what we want to hear here, or he can actually turn this around? Um, if, if he can, if he can actually, that's also. Uh, um, I mean, it's also an issue as well in, in, in the country. And I, we're trying to look at um, unique, um, you, you know, unique ideas, uh, unique um, approach to certain problems, like the obvious problems that are there. And uh, like we have seen dockets missing, we've seen um, um, certain, just, just a bit of issues that are there and, and also getting to, um, I think, Getting to find a lasting judgment in certain cases, and, and I think those are kind of issues that are there. I'm, I'm not a legal expert, but I mean something about turnaround time, and of course, anyone can do that. We seem to look at um, other issues that are that are unique, that are obvious, that are affecting the country. All right. Well, as we say, then today, uh, or just a correction there, Judge President Mlambo will be today. And uh, we'll hear what that's about. I guess we'll talk about that in trending in terms of what their campaign is. And I'm more interested, I think, on Thursday's uh, judge who will be 
the Supreme Court of Appeal President Mandisa uh, Maya. Let's uh, move on talking to the hashtag 10 Rand Goes a Long Way campaign. Uh, yeah, we could have touched on, I guess, what uh, Tourism Minister Lindy Wesusulu also spoke about in terms of the sentiments she made about our judiciary and the response from the president and that sort of war that was happening there for a little bit. But I think let's move on uh, for time's sake. Hashtag 10 Rand goes a long way. That initiative to help students register for university. Uh, maybe we should have ended on this note, actually, because it's a positive one. <laughs> There's quite a lot of politics in our <laughs> chats today. But uh, this movement, uh, in partnership with the Fundi Foundation, this is the second leg. They started this before. They're doing it again now. Uh, awesome news here, but how does it work? Uh, interestingly, um, when this um, um, started last year, and it was it wasn't supposed to go uh, well. We were not expecting it to go the way it did, and and this time around, it's just something that is actually um, quite uh, embraced, and the feedback is amazing, and and I think something that that is very zen on this is. I think it's something that should be encouraged. The feedback has been amazing. People are just sending money and, and, and donating. And, and looking at um, partnering with um, the Fundi Foundation on this was, was something that is also good. Looking at how um, the impact of it must fall and, and do we still have um, a shortfall of students who can afford recession fees, um, and the school fees, and some even have... Um, the, the, the historical debt of that that we can that students are actually facing in, in that space it, it is something that I the tweets I can't even tell put a figure to it's quite a lot of uh, tweets and tweets and messages on Facebook and that hashtag ten uh, rand goes a long way is is indeed a positive one uniting South Africa uniting Zambia and even some people are even saying letters with for president and and it's it's, it's amazing and people are who must be president. That. <laughs> That's his way. That the, the method saying they should be president. Okay. And, oh, because he's uh, he's put his face to the campaign. To the, to the campaign. Okay. It's quite an, an interesting one. Okay, so he must be president for allowing people. But I mean, this is not to pay for fees. It's for registration uh, fees. Registration. For registration funds. Yes. Uh, okay, and yes. it's a great one because they are allowing uh, a lot of opportunities to be open for those who wouldn't have had the opportunities. I know registration money also. Um, you know, it can be a bit of a challenge for some to gather that. Um, okay, so we all donate t- uh, 10 rand. Or can you yes. give in more? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, those, there are quite a lot of people that actually uh, donating more than 10 rand, and 10 rand is something that obvious. It's, I think the, the perception everyone can afford 10 rand is, in, is like the bare minimum anyone can, can throw in. And knowing that with the registration fee, at least you know you can get to register and 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 and, and get to get that admission process going on. And and you know with the Fundi Fund, they that is what they do. They actually um, get to them going. They even with the school fees and other accommodation and so many other fees that that a student needs to go through tertiary education in the country. So it is it is um. It's just something that I—it's quite commendable. I would, I would say, quite commendable and for financially struggling mm. students. This is this is something positive for them. Yeah. 
So the first phase launching March uh, last year, and this helped 106 deserving students, and they raised about 2.3 million rand. So a great campaign it is, and, and we need more of these. We, we just need to spread the light, really. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's more people get involved, more influencers, more celebrities, people of influence, if they can actually adopt this. I mean, it's, it's something that should not uh, that should be encouraged and multiply that effort all around. And the more money they can raise, the more people get to benefit. And um, we can all leave all of this government to, to do, yeah. and, uh, even private sectors. And it's, uh, it's actually something great. Okay, more politics. Just briefly, hashtag Ace Mahashule, the suspended ANC Secretary General. Uh, his bid to have his suspension overturned in the Supreme Court of Appeal has failed. Um, it, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say we were like uh, surprised. Um, it, it's just we would have thought um, we would have gotten a different outcome on this. And of, of course, I, I do not think. Um, is going to back down this time around. It's probably going to find. Um, I mean, this is the Supreme Court dismissing the appeal, and I'm not entirely sure which other court, maybe the Constitution Court, this time around. And he would, um, the, the, he will probably want to have his way through to get this, to get this overturned. And knowing the the, the problem that is faced with ANC at the moment, this is this is one of the top person, if I would if I put it that way, and trying to fight to get his job back. And this is someone that can actually um, unseat the president from from his leadership role in the in the ruling party if he gets his work through. So this is, it, it, I mean, knowing that he's also being charged for corruption and, and all of that. And um, it, the, the courts, it, it doesn't end there. Of course, he's going to want to push, uh, push ahead. And we just have to fold our hands and see what um, card Ace does have um, on his hand at the moment. Okay, let's move to other parts of the continent. Hashtag Rwanda now. The border between Uganda and Rwanda being reopened. Uh, this was on Monday. Is this signaling the end of this three-year relationship that was a bit frosty and a bit sour between the two East African nations, or we can't say that yet? Um. I think we can we can categorically say this is some sort of progress uh, if we look at it. I think we should we should look at it that way. And um, it's just these two nations they have been sister nations for quite a long time, and knowing the role Uganda also played in in the, um, in the liberation of Rwanda and all and and they've been actually been coexisting fine. Also, that time when one country was accusing the other of spying and of accusing yeah. the other of trying to cause instability in this country, and knowing that these two nations, um, they both have long-serving presidency as well, and this is is this more about protecting their position or protecting the people because the most people that actually were affected were the traders that are doing business in, in that region and the border close closure has actually caused them a lot of losses and a lot of pain and inconveniences they said. And even some body are even saying now that the border is open, they should uh, compensate the businesses that have actually suffered the losses. 
and this diplomatic role that happened was something that was um, highly discouraged and but hopefully disobeyed the, the the final opening and and they can carry on as business as usual. People make comments like, "We are not politicians; we are business people. We just want to continue to make a living." So for three years, it's quite it's quite a long time for a border to be closed. It's so, so fortunate that it took them so long to be able to uh, reach a closure. Yeah. Who do you think initiated this? Because Kigali on the Rwandan side used to rely on the Ugandan route, uh, the Kampala route, uh, for the bulk of its imports. But then they since uh, went, uh, Rwanda went to go and work to with Tanzania for trade and exported goods. So who do you think uh, initiated uh, this? Yeah, um, if I can get your question, who do I think initiated the... Yeah, who's, who's likely to have initiated it? Because we don't know who would be in more need than the other. As I say, you know, Rwanda used to rely on Uganda for the bulk of its imports in terms of that route that's now been reopened. But then after a while, they turned to Tanzania for their trade and exported goods. So who would have needed this more than the other? Um, I mean, looking at... Looking at um, the, the the geographical positioning of the country, um, it, it, um, Rwanda is more in the landlocked region part of it because Uganda shares a border with Kenya, which is a direct import route, and and going through Tanzania might be a little bit more more of a, of a, of a struggle, of course. And the the Kenya port is actually quite easier. Compared to Tanzania, and I'm not entirely sure how this, the conversion was held because these conversions were held behind closed doors, and and um, I think Rwanda would have been more of, the, of a disadvantage here, considering the geographical position of its countries. Okay, let's talk then. Hashtag Afcon there, uh, Nigeria exiting. Uh, the AFCON, and now getting online abuse as a result. What's going on with Nigerian soccer fans? They are not happy with the Super Eagles, and they're making it known on the social media platforms. Uh, it, it, was, it, was, uh, it was just one of those um, um, heats of the moment, if I'll call it that way. And, it, of course, it is quite shocking. We shouldn't even um, take any forms of, uh, of threats or assault or abuse and knowing that these are the kind of uh, messages that are usually that usually happens when fans are unhappy with the outcome of their team or or, or, or on how they performed. Of course, um, quite a lot of people were disappointed knowing how Nigeria did well in the in the group stages, beating everything that they faced, including the powerful Egypt, who is now likely to go into the semis now, and the, the fans were. Highly disappointed, of course, and on how the goals happened, and they felt the players were didn't really perform um, compared to how they played in the group stage. And whereas the, the second round was more important than the, than the group stage itself, it was just one of those times. Of course, it should not be like that. And taking giving um, their threats over the things like this should not be encouraged, and it should be highly condemned and discouraged. I would say that. Why do soccer fans get so touched? I mean, to go as far as accusing the goalkeeper, Maduka Okoye, as uh, match-fixing. Why would he match-fix? Why would he do that? I, I don't know. Sometimes if we question ourselves and see if we are, what we are saying and doing as sports fans is reasonable. 
and he's even had to disable his comments on his Instagram posts. Yes, it, it, it was um, knowing Madhukar um, Kwe, it, it was the first goalkeeper in the Nigerian squad. And at first, um, probably the public felt like um, maybe uh, Daniel Akwe could have actually done better with the Kaiser Chief um, um, goalkeeper. And they probably felt like he could have done better, he could have performed more better. And uh, considering all the kind of comments that were happening, and also Alex Wilby as well, with the digital coach's um, uh, nephew, also had to be um, uh, suffered uh, the abuse as well. He also had to disable his, his, his comment also, and he also he got a, a red card when he was actually introduced into the game, and Nigerians felt like both of them should be crucified for the loss. Both of them should be blamed for the loss, and it's a thing. If something happens, the team takes the fall. We shouldn't single out uh, the team. And as you said, why are fans like this? Football is a, it's a highly emotional game. It's, it's quite a lot of things that put people put first before anything else in football. I think the, the dire football fans will be able to to tell us uh, how are they like this? How should what should we be in this industry? And this is something that. Um, the the football, the FIFA actually um, encourage um, no to racism, discrimination, and all sort of things like that. The campaign has always been on. We should not, we should not let uh, our emotions take the better side of us when it comes to football. And the defender as well, Kenneth Omeruo, saying that he has to deactivate his social media accounts just to get away from the negative feedback. What more needs to be done besides, I mean, FIFA encouraging this? Because people should not be turning their disappointments into hate speech. What what else can be done to make sure that, I mean, these players are human beings as well, and you're going to demoralize them, you're going to leave a negative impact on them, and we talk of mental health now as having come under the spotlight, especially now uh, with everything that's happened. Why? What, what else needs to be done? Because clearly the FIFA's... Uh, you know, direction saying, please don't do this is not really well uh, working. Um, do you I think, think coaches this, this maybe means, should step in and, and, and I don't know what what needs to be done. I think I think um, like um, it's it, it's quite a it's a quite a very um, quite a tricky situation here. Uh, um, as I said, like I think they need to they need to continue. Uh, should I say they need to intensify the campaign because this is. This is Problem with the fans, and uh, the, the, the fans uh, they need to understand that in the end, it is just a game, and this is a game people put a lot of betting their earnings on it. And the they, fans uh, they who, work, who act like haters, basically. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Fans, yeah. you can be a fan of someone today, and the next minute you you actually watch the person right now because you you have actually put a bet on it, and, and I think the betting also influences. The, 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 the outrage, the, the, the pain that the fans place on us. So it's something that we need to also address. They need to address the betting side of, of, of the game as well. So, of course, that is part of how revenues are generated around the game. So when someone is losing money, you do not want to be um, you become irrational after that. So that's also something that um, we should also put uh, our focus on, I think. The, the, the betting side also influences the, the reaction that you get from the fans. You can imagine someone that actually hoped Nigeria was going to win. They actually stake their, their money on Nigeria and, and they're disappointed. So they will say, 
and a lot of these things they might not really get to win the main Nigeria as a country. They're not they're just football lovers and I do not think they would really physically attack them. And I think um, let's just hope the threat hangs there on social media and not physical physically as as assaulting players. Yeah, we need to just be more responsible with our comments as well. As we say, people are people. Um, and they also have feelings, and let's be mindful of each and every one of our mental well-being. Thank you so much, Adekunle, for joining us, and a happy Wednesday to you. We're already midweek. Yeah, already midweek. That weekend is actually, I can see it already. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Asana, for having me. A pleasure. You. Have a great one. Adekunle right. Owolabi, social you. commentator, discussing trending topics with us here on SFM Sound Away. Good morning to you. If you've just joined us, half past four is our time.